Matthew Henry's Commentary on the Whole Bible 2 Chronicles 30 In this chapter we have an account of the solemn Passover which Hezekiah kept in the first year of his reign. 1. The consultation about it, and the resolution he and his people came to for the observance of it, verses 2-5. 2. The invitation he sent to Judah and Israel to come and keep it, verses 1 and 6-12. 3. The joyful celebration of it, verses 13-27. By this the Reformation, set on foot in the foregoing chapter, was greatly advanced and established, and that nail in God's holy place clenched. Preparations for the Passover, 726 B.C. 1. And Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah, and wrote letters also to Ephraim and Manasseh, that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover unto the Lord God of Israel. 2. For the king had taken counsel, and his princes, and all the congregation in Jerusalem, to keep the Passover in the second month. 3. For they could not keep it at that time, because the priests had not sanctified themselves sufficiently, neither had the people gathered themselves together to Jerusalem. 4. And the thing pleased the king and all the congregation. 5. So they established a decree to make proclamation throughout all Israel, from Beersheba even to Dan, that they should come to keep the Passover unto the Lord God of Israel at Jerusalem, for they had not done it of a long time in such sort as it was written. 6. So the posts went with the letters from the king and his princes throughout all Israel and Judah, and according to the commandment of the king, saying, Ye children of Israel, turn again unto the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, and he will return to the remnant of you, that are escaped out of the hand of the kings of Assyria. 7. And be not ye like your fathers, and like your brethren, which trespassed against the Lord God of their fathers, who therefore gave them up to desolation, as ye see. 8. Now be ye not stiff-necked, as your fathers were, but yield yourselves unto the Lord, and enter into his sanctuary, which he hath sanctified forever, and serve the Lord your God, that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. 9. For if ye turn again unto the Lord, your brethren and your children shall find compassion before them that lead them captive, so that they shall come again into this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful, and will not turn away his face from you, if ye return unto him. 10 So the posts passed from city to city through the country of Ephraim and Manasseh even unto Zebulun, but they laughed them to scorn and mocked them. 11 Nevertheless diverse of Asher and Manasseh and of Zebulun humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. 12 Also in Judah the hand of God was to give them one heart to do the commandment of the king and of the princes by the word of the Lord. Here is, 1. A Passover resolved upon. That annual feast was instituted as a memorial of the bringing of the children of Israel out of Egypt. It happened that the reviving of the temple service fell within the appointed days of that feast, the seventeenth day of the first month, this brought that forgotten solemnity to mind. What shall we do, says Hezekiah, about the Passover? It is a very comfortable ordinance and has been long neglected. How shall we revive it? The time has elapsed for this year, we cannot go about it immediately, the congregation is thin, the people have not noticed, the priests are not prepared, verse 3. Must we defer it till another year? Many, it is likely, were for deferring it, but Hezekiah considered that by that time twelve month the good affections of the people would cool, and it would be too long to want the benefit of the ordinance and therefore, finding a proviso in the law of Moses that particular persons who were unclean in the first month might keep the 
the Passover the fourteenth day of the second month and be accepted, Numbers 9:11. he doubted not but that it might be extended to the congregation. Whereupon they resolved to keep the Passover in the second month. Let the circumstance give way to the substance, and let not the thing itself be lost upon a nicety about the time. It is good striking while the iron is hot, and taking people when they are in a good mind. Delays are dangerous. 2. A proclamation issued out to give notice of this Passover, and to summon the people to it. 1. An invitation was sent to the ten revolted tribes to stir them up to come and attend this solemnity. Letters were written to Ephraim and Manasseh to invite them to Jerusalem to keep this Passover, verse 1, not with any political design, to bring them back to the house of David, but with a pious design to bring them back to the Lord God of Israel. Let them take whom they will for their king, says Hezekiah, so they will but take him for their God. The matters and difference between Judah and Israel, either upon a civil or sacred account, shall not hinder, but that if the people of Israel will sincerely return to the Lord their God Hezekiah will bid them as welcome to the Passover, Passover as any of his own subjects. Expresses are sent post throughout all the tribes of Israel with memorials earnestly pressing the people to take this opportunity of returning to the God from whom they had revolted. Now here we have. 1. The contents of the circular letters that were dispatched upon the occasion, in which Hezekiah discovers a great concern both for the honor of God and for the welfare of the neighboring kingdom, the prosperity of which he seems passionately desirous of, though he not only received no toll, tribute, or custom, from it, but it had often, and not long since, been vexatious to his kingdom. This is rendering good for evil. Observe. 1. What it is which he presses them to, verse 8 Yield yourselves unto the Lord. Before you can come into communion with him you must come into covenant with him. Give the hand to the Lord, so the word is, that is, consent to take him for your God. A bargain is confirmed by giving the hand. Strike this bargain. Join yourselves to him in an everlasting covenant. Subscribe with the hand to be his, Isaiah 44 verse 5. Give him your hand in token of giving him your heart. Lay your hand to his plow. Devote yourselves to his service, to work for him. Yield to him, that is, come up to his terms, come under his government, stand it not out any longer against him. Yield to him, to be absolutely and universally at his command, at his disposal, to be, and do, and have, and suffer, whatever he pleases. In order to this, be not stiff-necked as your fathers were. Let not your corrupt and wicked wills rise up in resistance of and rebellion against the will of God. Say not that you will do what you please, but resolve to do what he pleases. There is in the carnal mind a stiffness, an obstinacy, an unaptness to comply with God. We have it from our fathers, it is bred in the bone with us. This must be conquered, and the will that had in it a spirit of contradiction must be melted into the will of God, and to his yoke the neck that was an iron sinew must be bowed and fitted. In pursuance of this resignation to God, he presses them to enter into his sanctuary, that is, to attend upon him in that place which he had chosen, to put his name there, and serve him in the ordinances which he had appointed. The doors of the sanctuary are now opened, and you have liberty to enter, the temple service is now revived, and you are welcome to join, join in it. The king says, Come, the princes and priests say, Come, whosoever will, let him come. This he calls, verse 6, turning to the Lord God, for they had forsaken him, and worshipped other gods. Repent now, and be converted. 
Thus those who through grace have turned to God themselves should do all they can to bring others back to Him. 2. What arguments He uses to persuade them to do this? First, you are children of Israel, and therefore stand related, stand obliged, to the God of Israel, from whom you have revolted. Secondly, the God you are called to return to is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a God in covenant with your first fathers, who served Him and yielded themselves to Him, and it was their honor and happiness that they did so. Thirdly, your late fathers that forsook Him and trespassed against Him have been given up to desolation, their apostasy and idolatry have been their ruin, as you see, verse 7, let their harms be your warnings. Fourthly, you yourselves are but a remnant narrowly escaped out of the hands of the kings of Assyria, verse 6, and therefore are concerned to put yourselves under the protection of the God of your fathers, that you be not quite swallowed up. Fifthly, this is the only way of turning away the fierceness of God's anger from you, verse 8, which will certainly consume you if you continue stiff-necked. Lastly, if you return to God in a way of duty, He will return to you in a way of mercy. This he begins with, verse 6, and concludes with, verse 9. In general, you will, you will find him gracious and merciful, and one that will not turn away his face from you, if you seek him, notwithstanding the provocations you have given him. Particularly, you may hope that he will turn again the captivity of your brethren that are carried away, and bring them back to their own land. Could anything be expressed more pathetically, more movingly? Could there be a better cause, or could it be better pleaded? 2. The entertainment which Hezekiah's messengers and message met with. It does not appear that Hosea, who is now king of Israel, took any umbrage from, or gave any opposition to, the dispersing of these proclamations through his kingdom, nor that he forbade his subjects to accept the invitation. He seems to have left them entirely to their liberty. They might go to Jerusalem to worship if they pleased, for, though he did evil, yet not like the kings of Israel that were before him, 2 Kings 17 verse 2. He saw ruin coming upon his kingdom, and, if any of his subjects would try this expedient to prevent it, they had his full permission. But, for the people, one. The generality of them slighted the call and turned a deaf ear to it. The messengers went from city to city, some to one and some to another, and used pressing entreaties with the people to come up to Jerusalem to keep the Passover but they were so far from complying with the message that they abused those that brought it, laughed them to scorn, and mocked them, verse 10, not only refused, but refused with disdain. Tell them of the God of Abraham. They knew him not, they had other gods to serve, Baal and Ashtaroth. Tell them of the sanctuary. Their high places were as good. Tell them of God's mercy and wrath. They neither dreaded the one nor desired the other. No marvel that the king's messengers were thus despitefully used by this apostate race when God's messengers were so, his servants the prophets, who produced credentials from him. The destruction of the kingdom of the ten tribes was now at hand. It was but two or three years after this that the king of Assyria laid siege to Samaria, which ended in the captivity of those tribes. Just before this they had not only a king of their own that permitted them to return to God's sanctuary, but a king of Judah that earnestly invited them to do it. Had they generally accepted this invitation, it might have prevented their ruin, but their contempt of it hastened and aggravated it, and left them inexcusable. 2. Yet there were some few that accepted the invitation. The message, though to some it was a savor of death unto death, was to others a savor of life unto life, verse 11. 
In the worst of times God has had a remnant, so he had here, many of Asher, Manasseh, and Zebulun, here is no mention of any out of Ephraim, though some of that tribe are mentioned, verse 18, humbled themselves, and came to Jerusalem, that is, were sorry for their sins and submitted to God. Pride keeps men from yielding themselves to the Lord, when that is brought down, the work is done. 2. A command was given to the men of Judah to attend this solemnity, and they universally obeyed it, verse 12. They did it with one heart, were all of a mind in it, and the hand of God gave them that one heart, for it is in the day of power that Christ's subjects are made willing. It is God that works both to will and to do. When people, at any time, manifest an unexpected forwardness to do that which is good, we must acknowledge that hand of God in it. The Celebration of the Passover, 726 B.C. 13 And there assembled at Jerusalem much people to keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread in the second month, a very great congregation. 14 And they arose and took away the altars that were in Jerusalem, and all the altars for incense took they away, and cast them into the brook Kidron. 15 Then they killed the Passover on the fourteenth day of the second month, and the priests and the Levites were ashamed, and sanctified themselves, and brought in the burnt offerings into the house of the Lord. 16 And they stood in their place after their manner, according to the law of Moses the man of God, the priests sprinkled the blood, which they received of the hand of the Levites. 17 For there were many in the congregation that were not sanctified, therefore the Levites had the charge of the killing of the Passovers for every one that was not clean, to sanctify them unto the Lord. 18 For a multitude of the people, even many of Ephraim, and Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulun, had not cleansed themselves, yet did they eat the Passover otherwise than it was written. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, The good Lord pardon every one nineteen that prepareth his heart to seek God, the Lord God of God of his fathers, though he be not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. 20 And the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah, and healed the people. The time appointed for the Passover having arrived, a very great congregation came together upon the occasion, verse 13. Now here we have. 1. The preparation they made for the Passover, and good preparation it was, they took away all the idolatrous altars that were found, not only in the temple, but in Jerusalem, verse 14. Before they kept the feast, they cast out this old leaven. The best preparation we can make for the gospel Passover is to cast away our iniquities, our spiritual idolatries. 2. 2. The Celebration of the Passover In this the people were so forward and zealous that the priests and Levites blushed to see themselves outdone by the commonalty to see them more ready to bring sacrifices than they were to offer them. This put them upon sanctifying themselves, verse 15, that the work might not stand still for want of hands to carry it on. The notice we take of the zeal of others should make us ashamed of our own coldness, and quicken us not only to do our duty, but to do it well, and to sanctify ourselves to it. They did according to the duty of their place, verse 16, sprinkling the blood upon the altar, which was a type of Christ our Passover sacrificed for us. 3. The irregularities they were guilty of in this solemnity. The substance was well managed, and with a great deal of devotion, but besides that it was a month out of time, 1. The Levites killed the Passover, which should have been done by the priests only, verse 17. They also assisted more than the law ordinarily allowed in offering the other sacrifices, particularly those that were for the purifying of the unclean, many of which there was now occasion for. Some think that it was the offerer's work, not the priest's, 
that the Levites had here the charge of. Ordinarily every man killed his lamb, but now for those that were under any ceremonial pollution the Levites killed it. 2. Many were permitted to eat the Passover who were not purified according to the strictness of the law, verse 18. This was the second month, and there was not warrant to put them off further to the third month, as, if it had been the first month, the law would have permitted them to eat it the second. And they were loath to forbid them communicating at all, lest they should discourage new converts, and send those away complaining whom they desired to send away rejoicing. Grotius observes from this that ritual institutions must give way, not only to a public necessity, but to a public benefit and advantage. For Hezekiah's prayer to God for the forgiveness of this irregularity. It was his zeal that had called them together in such haste, and he would not that any should fare the worse for being straitened of time in their preparation. He therefore thought himself concerned to be an intercessor for those that ate the Passover otherwise than it was written, that there might not be wrath upon them from the Lord. His prayer was. 1. A short prayer, but to the purpose, the good Lord pardon every one in the congregation that is fixed, engaged, or prepared, his heart to those services, though the ceremonial preparation be wanting. Note, 1. The great thing required in our attendance upon God in solemn ordinances is that we prepare our hearts to seek Him, that we be sincere and upright in all we do, that the inward man be engaged and employed in it, and that we make heart work of it, it is all nothing without this. Behold, thou desirest Matthew truth in Henry's the inward part. On the whole Hezekiah does not pray that this might be dispensed with, nor that the want of other things might be pardoned where there was not this. For this is the one thing needful, that we seek God, His favor, His honor, and that we set our hearts to do it. 2. Where this sincerity and fixedness of heart are there may still be many defects and infirmities, both the frame of the Spirit and the performance of the service may be short of the purification of the sanctuary. Corruptions may not be so fully conquered, thoughts not so closely fixed, affections not so lively, faith not so operative, as they should be. Here is a defect in sanctuary purification. There is nothing perfect under the sun, nor a just man that doeth good and sinneth not. 3. These defects need pardoning healing grace, for omissions in duty are sins as well as omissions of duty. If God should deal with us in strict justice according to the best of our performances, we should be undone. 4. The way to obtain pardon for our deficiencies in duty and all the iniquities of our holy things, is to seek it of God by pr prayer, it is not so a pardon of course, but that it must be obtained by petition through the blood of Christ. 5. In this prayer we must take encouragement from the goodness of God, the good Lord pardon, for, when he proclaimed his goodness, he insisted most upon this branch of it, forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin. 6. It is the duty of those that have the charge of others, not only to look to themselves, but to those also that are under their charge, to see wherein they are wanting, and to pray for them, as Hezekiah here. See Job 1 verse 5. 2. A successful prayer, the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah, was well pleased with his pious concern for the congregation, and, in answer to his prayer, healed the people, verse 20, not only did not lay their sin to their charge, but graciously accepted their services notwithstanding, for healing denotes not only forgiveness, Isaiah 6 verse 10, Psalm 103 verse 3, but comfort and peace, Isaiah 57 verse 18, Malachi 4 verse 2. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, 726 BC. 
21 And the children of Israel that were present at Jerusalem kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with great gladness, and the Levites and the priests praised the Lord day by day, singing with loud instruments unto the Lord. 22 And Hezekiah spake comfortably unto all the Levites that taught the good knowledge of the Lord, and they did eat throughout the feast seven days, offering peace offerings, and making confession to the Lord God of their fathers. 23 And the whole assembly took counsel to keep other seven days, and they kept other seven days with gladness. 24 For Hezekiah king of Judah did give to the congregation a thousand bullocks and seven thousand sheep, and the princes gave to the congregation a thousand bullocks and ten thousand sheep, and a great number of priests sanctified themselves. 25 And all the congregation of Judah, with the priests and the Levites, and all the congregation that came out of Israel, and the strangers that came out of the land of Israel, and that dwelt in Judah, rejoiced. 26 So there was great joy in Jerusalem, for since the time of Solomon the son of David king of Israel there was not the like in Jerusalem. 27 Then the priests the Levites arose and blessed the people, and their voice was heard, and their prayer came up to his holy dwelling place, even unto heaven. After the Passover followed the feast of unleavened bread, which continued seven days. How that was observed we are here told, and everything in this account looks pleasant and lively. 1. Abundance of sacrifices were offered to God in peace offerings, by which they both acknowledged and implored the favor of God, and on part of which the offerers feasted with their friends during these seven days, verse 22, in token of their communion with God and the comfort they took in His favor, and their reconciliation to Him. To keep up this part of the service, that God's altar might be abundantly regaled with the fat and blood in his priests and people with the flesh of the peace offerings, Hezekiah gave out of his own stock one thousand bullocks and seven thousand sheep, and the princes, excited by his pious example, gave the same number of bullocks and a greater number of sheep, and all for peace offerings, verse 24. By this God was honored, the joy of the festival was kept up, and the strangers were encouraged to come again to Jerusalem. It was generously done of the king and the princes thus plentifully to entertain the whole congregation, but what is a great estate good for but that it puts men into a capacity of doing so much the more good? Christ feasted those that followed him. I believe neither Hezekiah nor his princes were the poorer at the year's end for this their pious liberality. 2. Many good prayers were put up to God with the peace offerings, verse 22. They made confession to the Lord God of their fathers, in which the intent and meaning of the peace offerings were directed and explained. When the priests sprinkled the blood and burnt the fat they made confession, so did the people when they feasted on their part. They made a religious confession of their relation to God and dependence upon Him, a penitent confession of their sins and infirmities, a thankful confession of God's mercies to them, and a supplicatory confession of their wants and desires, and, in all these, they had an eye to God as the God of their fathers, a God in covenant with them. 3. There was a great deal of good preaching. The Levites, whose office it was, Deuteronomy 33 verse 10, taught the people the good knowledge of the Lord, read and opened the scriptures, and instructed the congregation concerning God and their duty to Him, and great need there was of this, after so long a famine of the word as there had been in the last reign. Hezekiah did not himself preach, but he spoke comfortably to the Levites that did, attended their preaching, commended their diligence, and assured them of his protection and countenance. Hereby he encouraged them to study hard and take pains, and put a reputation upon them, that the people might respect and regard them the more. 
princes and magistrates, by owning and encouraging faithful and laborious preachers, greatly served the interest of God's kingdom among men. 4. They sang psalms every day, verse 21 The Levites and priests praised the Lord day by day, both with songs and musical instruments, thus expressing their own and exciting one another's joy in God and thankfulness to Him. Praising God should be much of our work in our religious assemblies. 5. Having kept the seven days of the feast in this religious manner, they had so much comfort in the service that they kept other seven days, verse 23. They did not institute any new modes of worship, but repeated and continued the old. The case was extraordinary, they had been long without the ordinance, guilt had been contracted by the neglect of it, they had now got a very great congregation together, and were in a devout serious frame, they knew not when they might have such another opportunity, and therefore could not now find in their hearts to separate till they had doubled the time. Many of them were a great way from home, and had business in the country to look after, for, this being the second month, they were in the midst of their harvest, yet they were in no haste to return, the zeal of God's house made them forget their secular affairs. How unlike those who snuffed at God's service and said, What a weariness is it! Or those who asked, When will the Sabbath be gone? The servants of God should abound in His work. 6. All this they did with gladness, verse 23, they all rejoiced, and particularly the strangers, verse 25. So there was great joy in Jerusalem, verse 26. Never was the like since the dedication of the temple in Solomon's time. Note, holy duties should be performed with holy gladness, we should be forward to them, and take pleasure in them, relish the sweetness of communion with God, and look upon it as matter of unspeakable joy and comfort that we are thus favored and have such earnests of everlasting joy. 7. The congregation was at length dismissed with a solemn blessing, verse 27. 1. The priests pronounced it, for it was part of their office to bless the people, Numbers 6 22, 23, in which they were both the people's mouth to God by way of prayer and God's mouth to the people by way of promise, for their blessing included both. In it they testified both their desire of the people's welfare and their dependence upon God and that word of His grace to which they commended them. What a comfort is it to a congregation to be sent home thus crowned! 2. God said Amen to it. The voice of the priests, when they blessed the people, was heard in heaven and came up to the habitation of God's holiness. When they pronounced the blessing God commanded it, and perhaps gave some sensible token of the ratification of it. The prayer that comes up to heaven in a cloud of incense will come down again to this earth in showers of blessings.